With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. GC Live fam, what is up? Friday episode of the show, our final preview episode. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. As we get ready for the Gamecocks trip to College Station, South Carolina versus Texas A&M, 730 Eastern SEC Network as the Gamecocks uh, look to get their second SEC win of the Shane Beamer era. This is GC Live. Welcome in. This show is, as it always is, brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond. Of the Mortgage Network, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. You see it above our heads if you watch the video version every single day. There's Clint right there, smiling in his suit. 71597 is the NMLS number. By the way, Chris, I will not give away any names, but I am told that right now, currently, uh, literally right now, um, there's at least two GC Live watchers I've heard um, that are that are talking with Clint and, and going through this process right now. And that's actually currently, I, I know of several others that uh, Clint has told me, um, you know, that the, the response from you guys, from you listeners and watchers and viewers and all that has been outstanding. So y'all keep supporting Clint. Um, we appreciate it. I, I don't, I didn't get any names. I don't know the names. So if you are in the comments, if you're one of those people and won't, to let us know that uh, you're doing business with Clint. Let us know how it goes. Give us a review because I'm sure it's going to go great. Uh, and we appreciate Clint, as always, being our presenting sponsor right here on GC Live. Friday show, every Friday we go into final final takes, final thoughts. We've sort of spent the entire week um, gathering, I guess you'd say, gathering as much information as we can on the opponent. We had Mark Passwaters on who gave us a good view of Texas A&M. On Friday, if you missed that, go back. Uh, it, it's on the podcast page. It's on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. Hit the subscribe button on there, and uh, you'll get alerted for every single show. But, Chris, uh, we, we did our breaking down the keys, you know, article content item that we do every single week. As I started to write that, uh, the, the phrase tall task just kept, like, percolating in my brain. And I, I I can't get away from that, man. Like it's it's a tall task. It's a tough task. On paper, doesn't seem doesn't seem great for the Gamecocks. 
not not played on paper. We all know that things can happen. This is college football is what makes it great. It's what makes sports great. Percentage wise, though, um, you know, our our, our we've kind of gotten away from it a little bit. But our, our if they played ten games mindset in this one, um, not going the Gamecocks way many of those times. But uh, do you do you have reasons for for hope for South Carolina fans? Like what what uh, what reasons could there be going into this game from a South Carolina perspective? Well, I, I think it would relate to the question that I actually asked Mark Passwaters yesterday, and you guys may remember it kind of centered around the the shifting identity around this A&M team, you know, they're five and two right now. Their two losses are both conference losses to Arkansas and to Mississippi state. Um, But this is a team that didn't, you know, they had not reached their potential or or their own paper potential earlier in the year. You know, they, they dispatched Kent state seemingly easily in that first game West, but I've gone back. A&M has some of the weirdest games this year. They turned the ball over five times against Kent State. Actually gave up 220 rushing yards to Kent State, and they won 41 to 10. Like that was almost like the 34 nothing South Carolina win over NC State that year, where Tommy Beecher threw four picks, and they still like somehow destroyed, uh, destroyed NC State. So they had that game. Colorado, who's bad. Um, this year and and can't score A&M I mean barely squeaked one out there right so that wasn't very impressive Um, and then they lose to Arkansas and they lose to Mississippi State and both those games kind of weird especially the Mississippi State one but then they go beat Bama you know and then A&M wins over a Missouri team that's also really struggled this year so I guess if you're if you are looking for that silver lining or that reason for hope you've got well is A&M the team that we saw against Bama and, like, have they come into their own, as Mark Passwater said? That very may well, well be the case. And if so, then this is most definitely a tall order. But they have shown that they're a team – they have struggled this year. Like, they have struggles that they have put on tape this season where they have not played particularly well against good teams like Arkansas or they haven't played particularly well against poor teams like Colorado. And so if you're looking for that in, in a way or a path or a reason – if A&M reverts to those things that we saw earlier in the year or even the midpoint of the year, uh, they don't play well. They turn the ball over a bunch. South Carolina finally puts a game together. That that would be what you're looking for. I think the unfortunate thing is, was <laughs> to kind of spoil what I just said, it may be more likely that A&M has come into their own. And we do know this team has a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed, a really good front. And so – Maybe what we saw earlier in the year was just a slow start or an aberration. Yeah, and uh, by the way, shout out Gamecock Ryan, uh, first live watch as a GC member. Let's go ahead. Let's throw Ryan up here on our uh, Primal Gourmet chat line. There it is right there in front of you. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, hit the subscribe button on uh, on the YouTube page, if you would. Uh, it's free to subscribe on there. We got a lot of new subscribers, so go ahead and hit them. But, Chris, dude, I mean – I think you look to me, um, you know, so, some of that slow start. I, I'd imagine goes back to the fact that they they lost their starting quarterback, and 
were sort of in a process of um, maybe figuring out what they were on offense. Uh, you know, listening to Mark Passwaters, it sounds like Jimbo Fisher has really done a pretty good job of, I would say, uh, maybe tweaking things a little bit on offense, uh, kind of, uh, I don't know if protecting is the word, because from, you know, from what Mark said, I mean, this kid can sling the ball around. It's not necessarily that he's a game manager type quarterback from a physical skill set standpoint. A lot of times I think of a game manager being a guy, you know, maybe that just can't make all those throws and you just ask him to do certain things. But it does kind of sound like Calzada at this point in his progression as a QB is still sort of figuring things out, uh, maybe fine-tuning himself as a quarterback, uh, the consistency of his accuracy, um, particularly with like showing touch on some of the underneath stuff, maybe isn't necessarily there. So, you know, he played great against uh, Alabama. Give him credit. Uh, I, I don't know if he's quite there as a quarterback. The, the again, unfortunate thing from a South Carolina perspective is I think, dude, you look at this rushing attack they have and this sort of duo they've developed, um, you know, in the backfield, uh, they sort of have a one-two punch. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be able to run the football, I think, at least with some semblance of success. And you have a Carolina defense that as as hard as they have played, as well as they have played at times, still does get knocked around a little bit. So I, I think, you know, from a matchup standpoint, the, the hope for Carolina is probably that you can kind of force – um, Calzada to beat you and then, uh, you know, hope you can put pressure on him, tur- turn him over a couple times, which we have seen Carolina's defense do that. They've turned teams over. But uh, the concern is sort of like, can you actually do that? You know, I, I, I don't know if this this isn't like a Texas A&M offense that's going to run to the line of scrimmage and tempo you to death, sort of like Tennessee did South Carolina. I don't, I don't think they're necessarily going to just – run away with this game as like a quick score type thing. But the concern for Carolina is that they do have the backs to to sort of just wear wear away at this defense, I think. Yeah, they got backs and, and Spiller and A-Chain who, uh, you know, they can be chain movers or they can hit explosive plays on you. I mean, we saw A-Chain, uh, he was the guy that returned the kick, the long kickoff return against Alabama, so an explosive dude. Isaiah Spiller, who I, I – Wes, that's one of those guys I feel like has played there for 80 years. But he's he's yes. been really good for them. I mean, he was one of the better backs, has been one of the better backs in the league and, and still is this year. So super productive. And, and that is one of those things. It's easier said than done. We can outline all these different things. Well, if Carolina, they need to do this if they if they can do this. But the problem with it is A&M's a really good team, and um, they're going to be able to do some of those things. So certainly you, you couldn't go through this game and say, Ah, you know, I, I don't really know that A&M is going to be able to run the football. I mean, um, you look at last week, for for instance, against Missouri, a defense that has struggled, but, you know, A&M ran for 283. They they only had 94 yards on 27 carries against Alabama, but that was the, the Calzada game where he played. I mean, Mark Passwaters made a note of it, man. He said it might have been one of the best perform. I mean, he heart like compared it to the Johnny Manziel game against Alabama that year. That's how good it was. Um, so it, you know, you've got that problem that, I mean, God, dude, if South Carolina could hold A&M anywhere close to like 94 yards rushing, that's, that'd be a huge win. 
But if it's at the expense of Calzada making a bunch of plays like he get, did against Bama, then that's a bad thing. But this team, I mean, they've racked up they racked up 300 rushing yards against Kent State. Um, their other lows were 98 against Colorado. They played very poorly in that game. 98 yards, no touchdowns against Arkansas in a loss. They rushed for 121. And so that would seem to be South Carolina's recipe. Try to slow this run game down. Put it on Calzada, who has certainly shown that he can make those throws. But if you're if you're putting more pressure on him to make mistakes, maybe he makes some. And I think that has to be your best recipe. But to go back to your term, tall order because they're they're good at running the football. They have a really good offensive line, or they're playing a lot better now. Yeah, Greg's question: Can can we stop the rush on Saturday? I I, I don't know, Greg. I mean, that's uh, you know, if you're in the Carolina sideline, that that's your hope. Um, you know, but can you actually do it? Uh, you know, who knows? And I, I think some sometimes, you know, and, and you kind of hate to say it like this, but it's just the, the truth. Sometimes you got to just kind of hope your opponent is off their game on, on this given day. You know, I, I think you look at um, you look at the A and M. Excuse me, you look at the Tennessee game for South Carolina. Tennessee offensively was not off their game that day. Like they came out. Did Carolina play well in that first quarter? Absolutely not. But Tennessee didn't help them either. They were executing. So you kind of sometimes just have to hope your opponent gives you um, gives you a window. You know, who if your opponent has a bad day, uh, you know, Chris, you talk about that that margin for error um, a, a lot. Uh, the, the margin for error maybe expands a little bit if you catch your your opponent on a you know on a bad day. Uh, Hman998 on our Primal Gourmet chat line uh, says, "Will it be better than the A&M game last year?" And you know, I, I think not necessarily that there's always carryover from one season to the next. We know college football, man. There's so much turnover on the roster. It's not like the NFL where it's sometimes very minimal turnover. You're going to have a decent amount of turnover, but I, I will say this from from the way that. The, the two teams are constructed, certainly the way A&M is constructed. Great defensive front. Dude, it seems like they've had a great defensive front every year South Carolina has played them. And, you know, Jim, Jimbo is going to do a good job with their quarterbacks. I feel like he's going to do a solid job with their offense regardless. I, I do think some of the issues South Carolina's had compared to last year as well, there, there is a, a decent amount of carryover, I think, here that you can sort of look. and. It's a valid question because I went back and looked, man. These two teams have only played seven times in their history. And South Carolina, of course, 0-7. So the the first one, not that there's any carryover at all from that game, the first one was that infamous game. Um, You'd probably say, what, the beginning of the end of, like, the the Spurrier era. Uh, South Carolina comes into that game – you know, thinking they're going to keep rolling, get blown out. Uh, the uh, the the Kenny Thrill um, one, the Kenny Thrill one week wonder um, experience, and uh, y- y'all know the rest. The rest is history. But from 2015, so 2015, 16, 17, 18, you had four tighter than they should have been matchups between the two teams, uh, you know, to jog y'all's memory, 2015, that was the Sean Elliott led, um, GA Mangus offense. 
Perry Orth is busting out 80-yard runs. Um, Tyler Murray was their quarterback that day. I'm pretty sure Carolina hangs around and actually plays a really good football game, loses 35-28. to um, The next year, South Carolina loses 24-13. Year after that, they go to College Station and go up seventeen to se- seventeen to seven, if I remember correctly. They lose twenty four to seventeen. Uh, twenty eighteen, a twenty six to twenty three loss at home. But then the last two years, Chris is where I think this is where I'm getting to the carryover aspect. These games last couple of years, while not identical, were somewhat similar because the Gamecocks were outscored. 78 to 9, combined 78 to 9 in those two games. And the one two years ago in College Station was actually closer than the one last year, just in how it played out. Um, but to me, the the similarities here, you're not able to run the football. And guys, when I say not able to run the football, I mean this was about as bad as it gets. Dude, South Carolina had nine total first downs in the game last year. And they got one on the ground. You rush for one first down in a game, that almost sounds like a misprint. Like, that doesn't seem real. You right. You accidentally fall forward for at least two first downs. Yeah. Like, in a blowout. Like, the guys at the end of the game, no – a quarterback didn't scramble for a first down. You know, one rushing first down in this game. And, you know, not that South Carolina's defense played great either, but comparatively, you know, and, and two years ago, Carolina's defense actually played pretty well. Yep. And then the fact that the offense could not stay on the field, could not run the football in that game um, – the defense sort of got worn down. The defense got worn down last year as well, but really that game was, was over. Um, A&M, you know, A&M basically kind of middle, did the middle-aided, I would, I would call it, South Carolina at the end of the half and then the beginning of the second half and kind of put that game away is the way I would describe it. Like they were up pretty big already, but they really put it away by scoring at the end of the half and then driving right back down the field and scoring to start the second half. So, but either way, point being, I feel like, Chris, in these two games, the defense had no shot because the offense didn't give them any legs to to stand on. So, you know, we can talk about stopping the run. We can talk about turning Calzada over, blah, blah, blah. Even if Carolina does those things to an extent, it is not going to matter if this offense can't do some good things. And to me, it's not just about can you score, you know, a couple touchdowns. It's can you have some rhythm? Can you stay on the field a little bit and hit some of these big plays? Yeah, and that's been an issue all year. Like there have been so many with the offense, but a couple that really come to mind that could end up applying here is if you you are the beneficiary of some turnovers, which in my opinion they will need to win this game. They need to be – at a decent plus, not just a, a even or a plus one in the turnover margin. I think they need to be plus two, plus three in the turnover margin. And some of that's in your control. Some of it's out of your control. But if they get some, take advantage offensively. We have seen multiple instances of that this year where they have not been able to take advantage of that. 
And then there's been too many West three and outs, five and outs where you're not sustaining drives. And so, you know, if your defense is on the field a ton, we, we saw that in the Vanderbilt game, even somebody was bringing up in the chat that Vanderbilt, you know, moved the ball too much and scored too many points for their liking against the Gamecocks. I will agree. Number one, number two, I do think at least some of that in terms of the points and the production were a byproduct of the defense being on the field a lot, short field position. We did see some of that where there's some other issues with how they played, no doubt. But this is an A&M team that has explosiveness with their backs, with receivers, Calzada, Jalen Weidermeyer at tight end. Carolina's defense has been susceptible to some big plays. And so you, know, you can't expect this defense to go out and get a stop time after time after time against this A&M team. So that's why – Scoring, yes, like you said, Wes, important. But go sustain some drives. At least be able to flip the field if you're not going down and scoring. And so they haven't done a lot. Carolina hasn't to inspire confidence based on how they played that that will happen. But there's no doubt that that's what they need to happen to be able to score an upset here. Yeah, and, and I uh, I agree to an extent with um, with the comment about you know giving up the twenty to Vandy uh, at the same time. Like you said, man. I mean, I was I was going back and looking at just how short of a field that was. It was a that's a 14 yard drive, um, one one of the touchdowns. And you know, is I, I don't want to like just forgive it all. Like there were some issues, there were some missed tackle issues, some down the field issues for South Carolina. At the same time, I feel like there were some fools gold. If you're like from the Vandy side looking at their offense, you're a Vandy fan, maybe um, if those exist, saying. Um, Basically, like, you know, th- th- we saw some good things from the off- – maybe maybe you're like, there were some good signs from the offense. Rewatching that game, there were some plays by their offense where that QB was literally, like, just running for his life, and it, it kind of just worked out. Or that-, that same drive that I'm talking about, the 14-yard drive, I'm pretty sure, there was a play where I think the first play of that drive – Carolina stopped, uh, had, a, had a negative play, like created a negative play, a tackle for loss. And then the next one, QB is has a dude right in his face, and he just lobs it up. Um, and, I mean, their receiver made a play, but is that a high percentage play? Like there were, there were Carolina DBs all around the ball. He catches it on like the one or two-yard line. And, you know, it, it was a, a lot of a lot of Vandy's – some of Vandy's offense was kind of just like schoolyard in the dirt, drawn up in the dirt. Like um, it just kind of worked out for him. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was sustainable. Like some, some of what you saw just sort of, you know, the missed tackle that goes for a touchdown. Carolina probably makes that tackle nine out of 10 times. And on this occasion, um, he went a little high. Vandy guy slips it and, and he takes off for a touchdown. So, I, I do think the defense has gotten worn down a little bit. At the same time, I do still think there is some some like stuff within this defense that are very positive signs, and I think they can if they can limit explosive runs from A and M. If if A and M starts getting explosive runs, then guys, you're probably in big trouble, and it's not even going to be a game at all. If even if AM just has to grind it out and they're having some success running the ball, sort of like Kentucky, for example, um, 
I, I think this defense against an A&M offense that is kind of up and down can keep you in the game. But then I just go all the way. It always, for me right now, is going to go back to the offense as as annoying as it is to keep harping on offense. Well, but, I mean, that's – hey, that's the storyline, man. And, and that defensive – you know, that ability for the defense to be able to keep Carolina in the game, that – in and of itself, I think is still kind of a, a possible, like a projection. It's not even something I think we can be sure about. But even if so, even if you get through a quarter, two quarters, and South Carolina has been able to limit the damage defensively that AM's done on offense, there's an expiration date on that, in my opinion. You, you can't go through this game and say, defense, I think they're going to play so well that AM's going to have 14 points, 17 points. Not sure that's reasonable. And so that's why every game, yeah, we're going to talk about the offense a ton, but every single game in some form or fashion that we preview this year is going to boil down to, yeah, but can they score enough points to keep up? And so that that's going to be the case here too. Whatever form that comes in, they're going to have to do that because that 18 or the 19 game, Wes, that you were talking about earlier, that score line kind of ugly. I don't remember the score off the top of my head. 30-something to something, I think, is what it ended up being. Um, I don't know if you got it in front of you, but that was a game that, like you said, South Carolina's defense played well. The 19 game you're talking about? The 19 game. Yeah. yeah it was 30-6. Um, to 30-6. to six. So, ugly scoreline, particularly offensively, and you get 30 points. Uh, they didn't play well. They played well for most of the game defensively. Like you said, they just totally wore out because the offense, as you can see from six points, was unable to do much of anything. And so that's what I mean by there's an expiration date on on what you on on how long you can expect your defense to keep you in it. There are exceptions, but you're going to see that for the most part. And, and and particularly with this team, West, I mean, they're rotating guys up front. They they typically play a decent amount of guys up front at end. Enigbare and Sterling are going to get most of the snaps. Ellis and Pickens are going to get most of the snaps on the interior, but they are going to rotate guys. They'll even rotate guys in the secondary. Linebacker is a huge concern. Damani Staley's played every single snap the past three games, I think. Brad Johnson's not far behind. And so at some point, there's going to be a drop in production. There's going to be a wearing out on this defense. And so that's why it's so important for the offense to be able to, yes, score, but sustain some drives. And uh, I, I will say this, man. Looking at this defense, I I got the vibe. Um, it, it just it felt like for most of the year, I, I thought there was a little bit of fool's gold on the Carolina side, and that so much of their success had been predicated by by turning teams over. And we were sort of anticipating well, what happens when those turnovers don't don't come. Um, and, and to an extent, that it, you know that's still an issue. That's still a concern. Um, some of that is reflected, you know, the fact that you're getting a turnover as opposed to a, um, you know, forcing a punt is is still reflected in the stat I'm about to give. But but I will say this, I'm I'm impressed because this number is far better than I thought it would be just from watching the games. South Carolina currently fourth in the SEC in total yards on defense, like per game. So they're um, they're they're allowing 327. Point four yards per game on defense. Uh, the only three teams ahead of them in the SEC, Georgia, as you would expect, Alabama, and Kentucky. 
even you know if you if you put that into different terms and and do it just versus FBS schools, Carolina slips a little bit. They're more like middle of the pack in the SEC. They're eighth with three hundred sixty three, uh, three hundred sixty four. You round up yards per game allowed on defense, but still based on the expectations, based on what they lost defensively, I think that's a very respectable number, all all things considered. But we are getting a master class this year, I think, in the idea of complementary football. And we we like to split up in football. We like to split up, you know, defense and offense because it's different players. And we like to we like to split up like defensive line and the secondary, even though pass rush, like rush and cover are directly linked together for all time. Um, but uh, offense and defense have to complement each other. And I, I think uh, the this game, uh, like the last couple of years, has been like the perfect example of why they, they have to complement each other and how one side can uh, can help the other. Man, I mean, I, I gotta I gotta pull it back up real quick. But dude, last year, I mean, South Carolina had a hundred. Let's see, 150 yards of total offense in this game. So AM by comparison had 530 yards of total offense in this game. I'm I'm not even like a stat head type guy that thinks stats are, are everything, but when it's that when there's that much difference between the two, it that's a total domination. So I I think you look at this game. We talked about this yesterday. Are fans happy just showing progress? I I think in this game, in this case, with everything stacked against you, I don't really believe in moral victories, but if Carolina goes to, goes down there and like loses 27 to 17 and they just get worn down, but they do some good things, I I actually I hate to say it before the game is even played. Me personally, I I would applaud that. Y'all may disagree, but I I would actually applaud that. Yeah, I mean, I think people want to see some progress offensively. And I, I was on the I was on with Jay Tommy Pearson on one hundred seven five the game right before we hopped on here, Wes, and that was kind of the question posed. Of they were talking more about the offense, which is not surprising. But they, they wanted to know, hey, what would progress be on offense? And so I think you can apply that to this game or really any game going forward. The competition stepped up. You're going to play A&M. You're going to play Florida. You're going to play Clemson, uh, you know, and others to close out the year. Get a preview at Missouri, but that brings its own issues. Auburn, you know, all these teams, most of these teams that have very capable to very, very good defenses. And, you know, I think the sign of progress is – Yes, scoring points. Like, eventually you have to draw that line and say, Let, let's get out here and score some points. But I think just cleaning up some of the things that have really hurt this team where take advantage of some turnovers. If you get gifted a turnover on the opponent's 40, score some points in that in that situation. We're not even saying drive 75, 80 yards consistently and go score a touchdown. Take advantage. Don't have the untimely penalties that have plagued this team. Don't go turn the ball over. Don't put the ball in danger and on the ground four times like you did against Vanderbilt. Can't do that against much better teams. And so 
if those things get cleaned up and we see even some more sustained drives that help you flip field position, if we see some more points, nobody's expecting to go from what we've seen to, okay, here's 38 points a game on the back half of the schedule. Nobody expects that. If you do, adjust yourself, you know. Um, but, yeah, seeing some progress on that front. And I think it would take that to keep it like a scoreline, like you're saying, Wes, or better. And I think people should, shouldn't be happy about losing. But that would be a measurable sign of, okay, they improved this week. Yeah, so a uh, question here in our Primal Gourmet chat line from, let me see if I can find it, H-Man again. Um, have to get Van going on the deep routes again. You know, and, and I wonder how much Van being banged up a little bit, he's one of the guys that's been dealing with some stuff, ha- has affected that as well. Um, you know, I'm guys, I'm surprised that there have not been many opportunities for Amari and Brown down the field this year, just in general. Like, I – I know from game to game, I, I don't really put – like if a guy doesn't get opportunities, sometimes that just happens in a game. Like that's just the way it played out. Maybe you had a shot dialed up, but every time you did, the the pre, you know the pressure got to the quarterback. Like sometimes in a game that happens. If you'd have told me preseason, Chris, that Marion Brown would have been for the most part healthy. I know he's dealt with some little things along the way, but for the most part healthy and wouldn't really have any deep ball – even chances that I can remember, I'd have been pretty surprised, I think. So, yeah, yeah. The, the deep balls have, have been there at times. They haven't been there at other times. There there was a chance for Van uh, last week that was just sort of a little bit out of his reach. But uh, I think that, it, you know, with Zeb, Zeb does throw a beautiful deep ball. And if you're South Carolina, you, you talked about this a little bit in the breaking down the keys, Chris. You're going to have to find some of those explosive plays somehow their pass rush maybe prevents that a little bit um easy for me to say but uh i was about to say presents that for some reason that makes no sense it prevents that um did you did i interpret this right did did passwater say that they're they can be susceptible from a defensive back standpoint or no it, a, a little bit. There were two sides to it. Uh, the two guys who I think they either expected to start at corner going into this year or at least play a huge role, I think starters, both out with foot injuries. You know, I think even at, at the beginning of the year, their nickelback, whose name is currently escaping me, I want to say Anthony Johnson, one or both of those names could be totally wrong. Um, but their nickelback. There, there have been 153 Anthony Johnsons to play college football. There have been a lot. There have been a lot of other names. So I, I just conjured that. I was looking at his name earlier. I think, Wes, that their nickel, right. that, that Passwater, it is Anthony Johnson? I think you're right. Okay. He he mentioned how good he's been, and he is their highest graded defensive player, according to PFF. So, again, just one point of reference. but. That's an interesting matchup because then you start thinking about Nate Muse and Jaheim Bell and, and running backs and slot receivers, things like that. Can te- is that another way that Texas A&M can try to erase some of those things? Because he has played quite well. Um, but, yeah, they, they have shown some susceptibility. You think about the Mississippi State game, for instance. That's a good example. Weird game. Mentioned their weird games earlier. Mississippi State rushed for 30 yards in that game. If, if, you, if you – most of the time, if you say Team A – rushed for 30 yards, did they win or lose? You're going to say they lost. But they rushed 17 times for 30 yards, and uh, 
they lost or they won. Mississippi State won 26-22. And that was because why? Well, they passed for 400 yards. So now that's Mike Leach's system. They do have Mr. Air Raid himself. Yeah, you got Mike Leach. So little different, but they were able to have some success through the air. So it's not it's not as if we can say A&M's given up nothing through the air. You know, Alabama, again, not a fair comparison to South Carolina. Alabama's got Bryce Young and Jamison Williams and all these guys. Um, they, they do a great job. They're very explosive in the passing game. But there is, if you're picking out things, opportunities, hitting a downfield ball or two may be one. And here's how I'd liken it, to, what I'd liken it to, Wes. Remember at the Georgia game, you're basically going, that's tough sledding. You know, I mean, you're not going to do much. But if you do do something, maybe it's with some deep shots. South Carolina had a measure, a small measure of success in that department against Georgia. So maybe it's, you know, got to be similar here. The, the first Van deep ball that hit at that game was when Zeb was still in the game, right? He was no. in the yeah. I mean, that was and and I and I'm not just saying this. <laughs> that throw was as good as it gets. You know, yeah. I mean it. Yeah. So Zeb can Zeb can let them fly, man. I, I think you're gonna you're not only gonna have to take some deep shots, you're gonna have to take some chances on some deep shots. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, the difference in that is when you have a team that can get to you as quickly as AM does. You, you have to get the ball out quick. And that means if you're going to take shots while also getting the ball out quick, you may not even know that guy's coming open. Um, it, it's kind of a little bit of a just trusting your guy and trusting you're putting it in a spot that you hope either he catches it or nobody catches it. But there, there is a in, – in my opinion, there is some – there's going to be some risk in that. But you, you almost have to find a way to um, – you know, to sort of get those guys to to back off of you a little bit. Um, you know, I, I I look at this game. Somebody was saying earlier, Z White needs to play more. I I think because I've been trying to get a feel for the running backs, and they're all some they're all some level of of banged up right now. We'll see. This it seems like it might be more of like a game day type thing. From what I've heard, though, I do think uh, obviously Juju will be back, so he'll get the ball some probably quite a bit. I think Z White um, is one of their more healthy guys at, at running back right now, so this could be an opportunity for um, for Z White to, to get out there and, and, and make some plays. Let's see, there was one. There's one other thing I wanted to hit on, and I've I, I've lost it. I lost my train of thought. Um, Max saying that Zeb is one of the most accurate deep ball passers in the SEC according to SEC StatCat. I, I would believe that, man. Like, I, I would. And we, we need to have – next week's the bye week. We need to have SEC StatCat on during the bye week. That would be a perfect time to do that, Chris. Uh, you want to tell everybody about Dead Soxie? Yeah, I was going to say, while you get your train of thought together, let's let's pause and tell about Dead Soxie. Wes, you were saying at the beginning of the show that we've had many listeners go to our primary presenting sponsor, Clint Hammond. Heard about him on the show. And now they've been able to learn firsthand that he is indeed the man with mortgages. So if you want the highest quality socks, check out Dead Soxy, another supporter and sponsor of our show here on GC Live. DeadSoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. You may say, well, what do they what kind of socks do they have? I don't know. Just go look. They have an extensive catalog. 
men's and women's, all different sizes, shapes, colors, kinds. Go check them out at deadsoxy.com. And the good news is you can get 25% off your entire order by using the promo code cocky at deadsoxy.com. So I, I don't know, guys. I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I uh, doesn't seem good on paper, but we'll, we'll all find out together, and then we'll talk about it next week. Um, Chris, are you going to give your score now, or are you going to just wait and make them read it on the game day guide? Well, you know what? There's two two reasons. I have not, if we're being honest, I haven't finalized it. So that's number the most important reason. I'm going to make them wait till the game day guide. But even if I had it. I decided this week on the spot that I'm going to make them wait anyway because they need to rediscover GamecockCentral.com. We have a website. Go read it. That's a, free, that's a free story each week. Free too, story though. in the morning. Uh, in the morning, right, Wes? Yeah, 7.30 game. It'll probably uh, be an in-the-morning thing. So I'll send that in to Wes later. He'll publish it Saturday morning. Come on over to GamecockCentral.com and check it out. Dude, we got a lot of really good content right now on the site. So go check it out. Did you, did you by the way, um, watch Kendall's interview with Braden Davis? Yeah, really good stuff there. I, I'm, I'm disturbed by the food combination. Uh, I'm admittedly disturbed, but I'll, I'll – Y'all need to go check that out. Um, It's a free deal as well. Almost all of our videos are free. And um, I don't know, man. So, Chris, do you have a a weird food um, combination? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that that people would say that's really weird. So, nothing on the level of the – the coffee with mayonnaise that um no poor poor Alyssa you know, I don't know. I don't think I could try coffee with mayonnaise that's that's awful it's bad um I would is that Will is that Will Levis that yeah that was Will Levis the, the Kentucky and you know what what was the other thing he does the banana with the peel on or something that's like that even that I was about to say it's even worse I don't know they they're both awful Yeah that uh, is worse to me I would I would take the the mayonnaise coffee over the banana Really? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like I'm thinking about the banana with the peel and it's like making me gag I'm thinking about the mayonnaise in the coffee and I'm gagging That's, that's also bad but you would at least get like the mayonnaise like if if it's one sip I think it'd be fine um okay i'm i'm i've got it pulled up i'm gonna give y'all a sneak peek of uh because so kendall's gonna start doing these with several commitments i think it's gonna be really cool these are to get to know incoming south carolina players off the field and really honestly probably um spurred by uh, the, the will levis thing and you know Alyssa's obsession with food the question for Braden was, um, you know, what, do you have any weird food takes, any weird food um, combinations that you like? So I think we just have to get this out of the way before you come to South Carolina. Do you have any, like, weird food combinations <laughs> that um, you really like? <laughs> I do. I'm, I might get made fun of for this, but, uh, you know, you know how, like, Patrick Mahomes likes ketchup, like he has a ketchup deal going on? Yeah. Um, I eat, like, quesadillas with some ketchup on it. I don't know why. Quesadillas <laughs> with ketchup. Where yeah. did that where did that originate? Like how did you get into that? 
I don't know. I think <laughs> I think when I was younger, I just saw like one of my friends eating it, and I was like, oh, I might try that. So I just like gave it a try, and I was just eating it like that ever since. Nah. So so the the best the best part, by the way, of that entire sequence was when you could see the wheels turning as Kendall heard him say that and was like, wait, yeah. what? What? Um, also, I have questions. Charles, we're on the same wavelength, buddy. Yep. What kind of quesadilla? <laughs> Ralph says disgusting. He's He's over it. Done with it. What kind of quesadilla is a very important part of this? Yeah. Um, because depending on what's in the quesadilla, I could go with like, okay, it's probably really not very bad at all. Like a chicken and cheese and that's it or something. Even if it's just a cheese quesadilla, I feel like it would probably taste a little bit like if somebody had cheese fries with ketchup. But I mean, if you had steak in there and then ketchup, I mean, I, I know some people eat steak with ketchup, but that's also vile. That's like, it's, it's very frowned upon. So I don't know. I, I'm Ralph. I'm not going. If we had like a little meter here, I'm not going disgusting on ketchup on quesadillas. I bet if you, if you like ketchup, and you like quesadillas? I don't. I'm not saying you'd be like, "Oh, this is amazing! I'll have to ever eat this again." But I think I don't think you would think it was gross. Like I, I think the mayo thing you'd think was disgusting. It is, and I'm still convinced it's actually made up. Like I, I think I think that was completely made up in order to make someone try it. I don't think that's a real thing at all. Because why? Like why would you put mayo in coffee? It makes no sense. You don't, you're not adding protein to it, like, because you need to up your protein, you know, intake. Like, there's no, there's nothing to gain from adding mayo to coffee. Um, if you like ketchup, if you like quesadillas, I, I will, it, like, if I was going to do a like downvote or upvote, or I was going to do like an acceptable, not acceptable, I would say there would be like a little graphic that would pop up and it'd go ding and it'd be like acceptable. Dude, look at this. Travis. Travis, buddy. This um, is bad. This is really bad. Ran First of all, ranch is good on absolutely anything. Wes and I are both, we're on the same wavelength with this. What I would bathe in ranch. And like good ranch, we're not going to give out any free advertising for people around town. I'm not in that kind of mood today, but there's some good ranch places. Yeah, ranch is good on anything, brother. Travis. That's bad, man. That's a bad one. That is a hot take right there. That's a Colin Taylor-esque bad <laughs> food take. Travis says, sorry, I'm not sorry, buddy. You need to be sorry on this one. And Sean agrees. All right. This uh, is taking a bad turn here. Hey, speaking of ketchup, two more things on ketchup. I have a relative that dips green beans in ketchup. Apparently, no, that's way weirder actually than quesadilla. And I've never seen it. If I see it, I'm have to say something. And then, dude, one of the primal gourmet meals, primalgourmetsc.com. Get it, get yours hooked up. Gcop twenty promo code. Turkey meatloaf wrapped in bacon. 
mm-hmm. with their custom homemade ketchup. Whew. That was good. Dude, dude, dude. H-Man Ranch is subpar. All right, look. I didn't, That's not, ooh, I didn't think Ranch was like a – I thought Ranch was sort of a universal most people like Ranch. I, I thought so too. H-Man, you have never had good Ranch is really the only – yeah, and like he's like Hidden Valley bottle, like or something. Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. know, Hidden Valley bottle is okay. It's like yeah, not it's great. It's not even. But um, homemade, like homemade ranch or like in-house ranch, oh. and restaurants is a completely different level. God, I'm just think I can taste it right now. All right, hey, how about this one? Thousand Island. What are the opinions on it? I'm in. I'm in on it. Okay. I like it. I, I think it's all right. I don't care. Like I don't. I don't crave it, but I'll eat it on a salad. So my wife does. But I got some family members that do Thousand Island. I am either like a house dressing or like Italian, or sometimes ranch because obviously ranch is absolutely incredible. Sean likes Thousand Island better than ranch. <sighs> Okay, y'all. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. Um, the the comment earlier. We're gonna close it out with this. The guy really just took my thought right out of my head. There it is, Brandon. Eating a banana with a pill sounds like someone who's a borderline psychopath. That was my absolute thought. You are you're a sociopath if you eat the banana with the pill. So. That's my final thought. Chris, you can, you can get Chris's final thought on the game in the game day guide. I'll have my final thoughts uh, in the Carolina Confidential that will come out later today. And uh, that's all we got. Once I saw the ranch takes, I, I was done with the show. I don't know. Yeah. That I, 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 I killed it. Yep. Anyway, go to GamecockCentral.com for complete coverage of your South Carolina Gamecocks. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see y'all on Monday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumboCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.